Welcome, guys, to the Recovering Reality Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Fredrickson. We are honored that we could be a part of your recovery journey and encourage you and help you in any way possible. Before you enjoy this awesome podcast, we also just want to let you know there is a whole bunch of free resources that you can find on our website at recoveringreality.com. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome, friends, to another episode of the Recovering Reality Podcast. I'm very excited today. I have a friend on, a friend of 10 years now, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yep. My friend, Ryan Burke. Now, Ryan, uh, if, you know, those of you that listen faithfully know that we talk about recovery and a lot of the people I have on, if, if not all, I, I think are people in recovery sharing their own stories of their experience, strength, and hope. Ryan is not in recovery, but I brought him on today for a specific reason to talk about some really important things. Ryan is um, Special Operations Marines, ex-Special Operations Marines, is currently employed by the U.S. government and in his spare time, free time, is an abolitionist and has helped around the world to free people from sex trafficking and the the drug game and addiction ties right into the middle of all that um and i thought it would be great to have him on today to hear a bit of a a different perspective about internationally speaking what things look like before the dope actually reaches the addict so without further ado and a very long introduction (laughs) how are you today my friend I am outstanding. It's an honor to be on your podcast. Uh, I hear you doing great things. And again, it's been so many years since we've last run into each other, but it's uh, a blessing to hear what God is doing with you, with uh, all the people that he's brought into your path. Uh, It's noble work and I support it 100%. So once again, thanks for allowing me to speak on your show. uh, And I'm honored to be here. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. And, uh, I think we're, we're cut from the same cloth. We may be doing slightly different things, but we're definitely cut from the same cloth. Um, so appreciate that, man. Uh, why, don't we, why don't we dive in? So why don't, why don't we start with like, what, what is it that compels someone like you having not been a sex slave, for lack of a better way to put it, or somebody right. who uh, in addiction, these different things, what compelled, you, you, you don't have a dog in the fight. You're not required to do that right what what compelled you to get in the middle of that and be part of the solution right well when i was growing up uh quick story into my background i know uh it's hard to believe now because i'm so well put together but i was actually (laughs) born a baby uh yeah surprising right um but thank god i didn't stay that way uh but being half irish half filipino my genetics allowed me to stay young Um, And early in my childhood, it was very apparent that I was not growing as fast as my peers. I was very small. I was kind of the runt of my contemporaries. And I was I was an easy target for bullies. Um, And I had to use my sense of humor and uh, just avoid situations. But I realized that there are certain people that would use their their strength, their stature to kind of force their will on me against my will. And um, as I started to grow up, I realized that if I trained a bit in martial arts, that I could kind of get the upper hand over uh, the evil that was being oppressed onto me, um, doing things that I didn't really want to do, being forced to do things. And I realized that uh, maybe I was designed to be something more than just a victim of my circumstances. And so that kind of led into martial arts and and strength training and a lot of uh, athletics. Um, But there was always a theme that followed me throughout my entire life of using that strength to not just defend myself, but then stand up for others who are being bullied. And as I went into the military, I realized that terrorism is just bullies with guns going around, uh, you know, drug cartels. Um, corrupt officials in, in, in Africa and Asia and just a lot of these areas um, 
the Bible tells us that all authority is God-given, but not every person in authority uses that authority to help his fellow man. Uh, some yeah. people use that authority. It's to a good distinction. Crush people, right, right, crush mm -hmm. people in their spirits. And I remember uh, one time I was sitting in church uh, while I was in the military, and somebody was telling me about the sex trade overseas. And I remember talking to God in kind of a, a silent prayer. Uh, kind of accusing him of, see, God, this is why it's so hard for people to follow you when you just sit back and let this type of evil happen. How can you, being all powerful, allow this to happen on your watch? And I kind of felt the conviction of God say, no, no, no. How can you sit there and mm. do nothing? I designed um, you with purpose. Yeah, man. I just, I, I'm so glad you bring this point up, man, because it's so true. We, we want to blame stuff on God that he has absolutely nothing to do with, nothing to do with. And he put us here to be the light and be used by him to bring about his purposes and set the captives free, him doing it through us. So that's, that's a right. very good point. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically um, between deployments with the military and the U S government, I, I started finding ways to deploy myself into some circumstances where people were, they were just not finding hope. They were finding themselves slaves to things. Um, and I started to see there was a pattern here that uh, when it comes to illicit economies of uh, evil men, usually drugs are not far from the situation. Is it safe um, to say the majority of the time they're in the middle of it, the drugs? Oh yeah, uh, for, yeah. for sure. I, I mean, God gives us skills, talents, and abilities to then in, in God-given creativity, uh, use those abilities to kind of build something with our hands to create something. And again, economy is based on supply and demand. Uh, the world is actually hungry for the things that you can create, whether it's writing a book, uh, doing podcasts, or, or just using your experience to then um, provide a service to your, your fellow human. Now, in, in light of that, uh, all that's left is basically stealing and manipulating people to take what they had and then use it for your own gain until you use them to the point where they're unusable. And then you just go to the next person, use them until they're unusable and next person. So um, in all of these dark um, structures of humanity, these dark institutions, definitely drugs plays a heavy role in a lot of these areas. Yeah. And you've... Uh you've been able to see a different perspective than so you haven't been in the middle of addiction yourself it's never been a struggle of yours but you've been able to see a different perspective of maybe the economy of drugs um, internationally what it looks like um, what it looks like long before it ever makes it to the addict's hand um, what would be what would be something you would want to share with somebody who just hasn't opened up their perspective to what it looks like on the global scale? What would be the kind of insight you would want to share to somebody to just maybe bring it a little bit more front and front and center of how evil as if, as if we need to stress that, but sometimes people need to see like the immense amount of evil that goes into this drug game, especially internationally, what would be something you would share to shed more light on that and hopefully convict someone, help wake them up? Mm. Right. Um, it's, it's definitely heartbreaking to see the potential on what a human's supposed to be doing with their creativity and how, how evil kind of hijacks our creativity to then use mm. that uh, instead of to lift others up, actually to cripple and destroy other people. Um, so there's one case that I was volunteering for specifically in South Africa. Um, I like to join the people on the ground who are actually getting things done. Um, most, most of these organizations are just in the awareness business where they, they get donations and, and have charity drives to push the statistics of what's going on to kind of shed light again on the type of evil that's hiding behind closed doors or maybe even right in front of our noses, but um, sometimes we, we just don't want to look at that. I, I think it's an interesting concept to know that your nose is actually always in your field of view, but because your brain sees your nose as useless information, you kind of, that your brain eliminates 
the fact that you can actually see your nose everywhere you look at all times. So in the same way, uh, trafficking, good point. <laughs> even though, even, even though it's, it's right in our faces, uh, believe it or not, everywhere there's humans, there's human trafficking. Uh, and, and I know a lot of people in the U.S. feel like, well, surely not in my neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, in your neighborhood, too. Yes, it um, is. Yes, it is. Yeah, right, absolutely. Right, right. So Same goes for drug this, trafficking. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And seeing this, um, it, it's, 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 it's so bad, uh, especially in the situations where you can't, uh, when you don't get there in time. Uh, where, where someone is taken into this life and you thought, and, and, and we do, a lot of these organizations get credit for the few that they do rescue, but the majority of the time it, it's, we show up a little bit too late. Uh, and, and that's what makes it so difficult to go, uh, to keep, keep trying. Uh, because too often we think, you know, what is the point? And I'm reminded of a story of, of a old man and a kid on the ocean and I remember um, the, the tide was actually with, withdrawing and all these starfish were getting stuck on the beach and the sun was bearing down, drying them out and killing them. And this little boy was going through the beach, grabbing one, throwing in the ocean, grabbing one, throwing in the ocean. And the old man said, uh, boy, you're wasting your time. You're not gonna save them all. It, it's not even gonna matter. And he picks up a starfish and he said, it mattered to this one and tossed it right in. And so that, that's the kind of idea that keeps us going in this fight. Um, but specifically speaking, it's, it's finding how people get stuck into slavery, how they get drawn into a life that they cannot escape and they, they really have no options. Uh, so back to the example of my, my operation in South Africa, um, I was partnering with a faith-based organization there that they usually work with the local law enforcement and they, they have lawyers, they have uh, people in the Hawks, which is the uh, South African version of the FBI and also the crime intelligence, which is their CIA. Um, and so we partner with the do-gooders in the area and we, we try to do what we can for the people that are, that are finding themselves in just the worst of situations. So um, to protect her name, we call her Blondie. And she was actually kidnapped at 14 years old um, by a group of, of gang members in the area that she kind of thought were cool. They had a little bit of, of influence and confidence in them. And it, it's, it's always with, with families where usually the father is absent and the father is not mm -hmm. really there to speak validation and value uh, into the, to the lives of their own children. Um, usually the parents kind of, they, they make a mistake in having them and to get the kids out of their hair, they'll, they'll just say, here, here's 10 bucks, 20 bucks. Uh, just, I don't want to see you <laughs> go out with your friends. I don't care where, just get out of my face. It's interesting that a lot of these situations, the parents don't really have a vision for what their children can become. But in that vacuum, there are drug cartels and, and trafficking uh, pimps and, and, and slave drivers that really have a vision for what you could become as a kid. And so for this 14-year-old girl, she found herself drugged. Um, and originally she thought she was just gonna get robbed where they were gonna take her, her debit card. And of course there was a, a thousand rand, which is the currency in South Africa, a thousand rand limit. And, and so they were keeping her drugged and they would just use the credit card uh, to take money out of her account until it was all over. But if, if you listen to the audio that I provided, um, it, it didn't, it wasn't just a robbery. So we want to take a minute here, guys, and play this audio clip from Blondie. It's a five-minute audio clip. We understand the audio isn't the best, but we highly encourage you to listen to her experience with what she went through after being addicted to drugs by the sex trafficking gang and her experiences. And she literally says at one point, she feels like they were no longer trafficking her body. They were trafficking her heart and her soul. Check it out, guys. Amount of money that's in my account, they want all of it, and then I, they will let me go. So I was surprised because where's my phone? Where's everything? They said they will keep it for me until they have all the money. So from there on, I gave them my bank, um, my bank card pin, 
And um, yeah, the problem was I had a limit and they didn't want me to make a phone call or go to the bank to open the limit because it's also a security risk for them or a safety risk. So they could only withdraw a thousand rand a day. So until all the money was out, I was inside the house. I do remember that some days were okay and some days were not. The only thing that I was okay with was the fact that I could at least take my drugs, not to feel what I'm going through. The problem is the drugs that I was taking, I don't believe that that was the thing that they were giving me out. Because I don't remember much from those days. It felt like it was a short period of time, but it wasn't, it was three months. So eventually at the stage where I got they trust in a way where I could be making phone calls and um, get out of the house. It's like they owned my soul. Something about me changed the way I looked at life. The way I think. I wasn't, I just wasn't myself. I can't explain to, to people what, what they did because I can't, I, I don't know. But life was different ever since then. So after a while I had a chance to to get out and I was I was saved and I was having a chance to heal and to restore my body and my mind and my soul. But it didn't work. It never worked. I went back after a while because I just wanted to feel like I fit in in the world where my mom is taking me to. I don't fit in anymore. I'm not like people anymore. I don't think like people anymore. I can't see life the way people does because of what happened. So I went back just to be okay and fit in. Not to say because not to say I want to fit in, but where I found these people like me because in a normal environment, people are not like me anymore. It happened a few times that I went back. I got out and I went back by myself again, only to the same Nigerian guy. Only to find out that they're doing so many rituals and they're doing so many... They're doing so many things that we are not um, educated about. They let me every night sleep with a specific necklace on my neck. Um, they, they did many things and I never saw it in a way where it can be holding me there or controlling me. But um, today I'm very sure that that is what kept me there. In between what I wanted to tell you guys is that I think it's been, I can't even remember how many years, but it's been years, I think it's three years, that I am just not the original, the original girl my mom gave birth to, if I can put it like that, I'm not, I'm not um, even close by the daughter she knew. I've tried healing before, and I'm not saying I'm not healing because I do heal, but in a way where my life cannot be normal like it used to be before. So where I am now, I'm still in a system where I can call it trafficking. And I'm not saying I'm okay because I'm not, but because of them knowing that they've got my soul. They do trust me in aspects to go where I want to go and to come back when I want to come back. Because the only thing I must bring back is money. That's all they want. Um, the thing that I, I'd like to tell you guys, my point I want to make is that trafficking is not just by body, but it is by soul. It is by mind. It's my heart that that's been trafficked, I don't know how to find it. And every time when I think I'm strong enough to stand up again, they owning something else than just what they had before. So let's pick back up here after. 
this audio that that we played for everybody okay now take us into your interaction with this girl take us into what came about and take us into a little bit more of the detail of that world and how it is you were able to be a light in that specific situation right all right so basically this girl even though she was taken at 14 years old um they start off with physical restraints and obviously they're gonna they're gonna use their force to detain her and keep her away from a community that would try to rescue her or rehabilitate her into normal society they'll, they'll keep her isolated um, and as you heard in that video it, it was many months that she was actually held against her will um, but usually the physical restraints transition to chemical restraints where they get them hooked on specific drugs where they know that unless they stay close to their supplier uh, they will not actually live they will they will basically have an empty existence unless they have that shock of life that the that the drug gives them but then they are now a slave to their supplier they're a slave to the will of their supplier and the supplier will use them until they're unusable you could sell a drug for a profit right. uh, one drug and, and get a profit but you can sell a child multiple times 10 times a night uh, I think in the US the average um, on on selling humans you can make a hundred thousand dollars a year off one human uh, so you can keep reselling them through their youth and then you can turn them around to recruit and seduce other children into that illicit trade now many of them are turned quickly and then because they're under these chemical restraints they do the will of their master and and many times it's drug trafficking across international borders and many times we find that these children are taken from their parents they're turned into drug mules and then when we find them interpol had caught them crossing international lines and now they're facing a life sentence in a foreign country because of the amount of kilos that they were caught carrying uh, now of course the drug dealers don't care about them if no. they get rolled up they're just going to make another one and, mm -hmm. and 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 many times you have that stockholm syndrome where the child starts to to feel that they are now being uh valued by that community that no longer are they fitting in with their parents and, and the childhood friends that they used to grow up with that is such a a different life uh it's almost a different person that now they are made uh they are created with with a new purpose and even though they know deep down inside maybe this isn't a good idea they they believe this false lie that no no, no g money cares about me g money mm -hmm. cares about you that's not even his real name <laughs> and, yeah. and many times i'll even show up saying hey i'm here to rescue you and and the the victim will tell me you better get out of here before i call the cops because you're you're messing with my you know my cash flow right now you're hurting my cash flow but really i'm trying to save them from those that capture them it's such a it's it's such a a level of sickness and evil that i i believe and we sort of mentioned it earlier but it's like people would just rather not hear it they would just right. rather pretend it's not there. It's like, let's just see no evil, speak no evil, hear no evil. No, 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 no. I know what's going on. Thank you for the people that are doing it over there. Let's not talk about it. Right. And that right. a mentality there has given it space, I believe, on some scale, maybe even a big scale, to get to the place that it's at now is like we hear about the problem. We right. hear about the person who, you know, is making a difference. We're like, oh, that's awesome. They're fighting that problem. Um, the issue is, is that this is the worst slavery issue the world has ever seen. It is more right. horrific, disgusting, and evil than people could even begin to map, wrap their heads around. And right. drugs is right in the middle of it all. And they consistently get people addicted to, to do their will. And that, so, you know, with that one specific instance, we heard this girl. Okay, we'll just hone in on that one there. She makes the statement about that her soul was taken. Right. 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 It wasn't just her life, her freedom. It, that it was literally her soul. And right. what is it that you see, have seen, do, do, you know, like, 
what is this, somebody that's in that space coming out of manipulated forced drug addiction, uh, coming out of the slavery and the this complete warped mentality and perspective on everything that that actual slave owner will actually have their best interest in mind in the midst of all that. And now they're waking up to the fact like, oh my gosh, like none of that was true. I was a sex slave. I was da 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 da. What happens in that space? How, how do how what are you seeing? Um, your heart towards that, you know, maybe even elaborate on that girl. How is it we begin to reach people in that space and see them live into their true identity of freedom and with God? Right, right. Well, what I first I want to tell you that the people that find themselves in those situations, what they don't need is your pity. They don't need mm -hmm. your sympathy. They don't need. Uh, you to put on a faked crying act for the things that they've gone through. What they need is hope. They need to know that it is possible to come back from the, the depths of depravity that they've experienced. They need to know that healing is actually still possible. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is yeah. he. Mm -hmm. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And that that speaks to a psychological truth that you cannot behave, you cannot consistently behave in a manner that is inconsistent with the way you see yourself. I'll say that again. You cannot consistently behave in a manner that is inconsistent with the way you see yourself. So as these slave drivers, first they'll lure you in with a love bomb and give you, oh yeah, you're the prettiest girl ever. Oh, how come you don't have a man yet? And then they'll, they'll give you all the things that a soul loves to hear. Um, and then they'll just, they'll crush you. And then out of the depths of your despair, they'll give you a reason to live. I remember, um, not this specific one, but there was another one in Sacramento, California, where she was taken again at a very early age. And for a year, she was held in a closet with a, with a dog collar around her neck. She wasn't allowed to speak or talk. Um, if she had to use the bathroom or if she was hungry, she was told she had to bark like a dog. So for a full year, she was conditioned uh, to bark like an, like an animal. And then after a year, her handler started to, to buy her clothes, a, a fancy dress. You know, if you turn all these, these tricks for me and bring, bring me my money, you know, I'll take, I'll treat you good. I'll treat you nice. And, and that woman was so convinced that this man loved her. She, she had no idea what love was, but in the world that she had experienced up until this point, that's what she thought love was. And what I'm saying is, if, if I just come in there and I shoot all the bad guys in the face and say, you're free, I can, I can remove her physical body from that. She's not free. Experience. Mm -hmm. But within weeks, she'll just be under control of a, another person. Her, her worldview has not changed. Uh, there's time uh, we rescued a woman in uh, Uganda and we gave her a bus ticket to go back to her family in uh, Rwanda, a, a couple you know, countries south. And within a month, she was back in Uganda on the streets because she had to feed her kids and she didn't have any skills. She didn't know another life apart from that. So again, a broken soul cannot heal another broken soul. You can't give what you do not possess. So if you don't have healing for yourself, there's really no hope that you can offer to someone that is in a situation like this. All they know is that that spark of life they can get when they inject and, and then they come alive again and they're like, oh, I could breathe for a little bit. But that's such an empty shell of your God-designed existence. Mm -hmm. Everybody dies, but I would submit that not every person truly lives. Absolutely. And I think that that value and, and validation that we get from our creator actually gives us then the authority to think higher. The Bible tells us that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than his ways. And out of his, his endless love for us, he invites us out of the depravity of our own souls, our faults, our failures, our human limitations, to walk in a limitless existence with him. That's, a, that's an adventure worth going out on now again it's going to take courage uh but not every every child that we rescue takes that that leap of faith to step out in a world that they've never seen before like many of them to include blondie in south africa uh, at 19 years old when i went back to try to get her she was still running with the same nigerian uh trafficking crew that that kidnapped her to begin with and, and multiple times she had 
been impregnated along her travels and enforced abortions, very, very painful. And the medical facilities are not, like she, she knew that multiple times she was bleeding so much, she probably should have died, yet she still goes back to them. And, and that's what speaks to, if you don't have another life to offer, a life that you can actually live yourself, Many, many Christians are just talking heads. They're, they're, they're spouting the Bible knowledge, but not the, the power that comes with it. The Bible tells us that we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds. Mm-hmm. And, and so the word of God is actually a transformative, not just informative, it's transformative. It actually Absolutely. removes the dead person you used to be, and it brings you into a new life. And you're actually a new creation in God. And the possibilities there are endless. But again, un- until they see that witnessed by a person like you or a person like me, someone that's brave enough to step into their world and say, hey, there are options here. You might not have considered, but if you would just be brave enough to check it out, I promise you, it'll give you a life that's a lot more fulfilling than, than the drug trafficking trade, sex trade, or whatever you're, you're involved in at the moment. Right. And you're, you're articulating it very well. And, and as I'm listening to you, I'm like, man, the similarities with addiction are like the exact same. It's the exact same. It's just, it's just a different avenue that the enemy's playing, playing ball on. And, you know, it's like drug dealers will even give you your, fir- they'll give you dope for free at first to show you right. how kind right. they are and boom, you're hooked and right. nothing's free after that, right. you know, but I, I see it all the time. And, and when I spent, I spent, um, I lived for a couple of years in Ohio. God has called us to Florida now and we're, we're working here to, to do what we can to make a difference for, uh, in the community and with God. But we're in Ohio. I, I got a lot of opportunities to speak to the church at large and, try so hard to convey the same message you are conveying right now. We have to be intentional and you right. have to be in the mess in order to drop off the message. We, right. we, we can't right. run away from the brokenness. Actually, if, if I'm called to follow the king, then I need to do what he did. And actually all he did was go to the broken. That's all he right. did, you know? And right. when he was confronted with the hypocrisy, he called it out on the spot and and was didn't do it very what we would say kindly sometimes you know and so i just i love the point that you're making about like man we have got to get past this place of well somebody's doing it over there let them or we just say well it's just too evil i can't touch i don't want to be involved with that i don't want to touch that it's too disgusting it's like man it is disgusting you're right addiction sex trade the evil in the world is very real. It is very disgusting. And it also is going to go unchecked a lot of the time until people filled with light step into the scene and confront it right. and right. do something right. about it. And I just, I so appreciate someone like yourself. So you've experienced a little bit of oppression, you could say, when you were young. You know, you got picked, so, right. so you got a little yeah. taste of it. You know, and you're like, yeah. I don't like how that feels. I'm going to do something about it. And you did. And on top of it, you know, when the gospel comes and sits in the throne of someone's heart, truthfully, it compels them to say, well, not only am I going to do what I can to not let that happen to me, there's other people it's happening to, and it's not okay. Who, who's fighting for them? Right. Who's fighting on their behalf? And right. who is it that's going into the darkness to, to rescue them from the mess? You know, and the compassion as well you know it's it's so easy to having never gone through any of that or not understanding what somebody like i tell people real simply i'm like when it comes to me working with people coming out of addiction i say like okay so how do i talk to somebody who came out of a family they're all addicts and it's an uncle who stuck a needle in their arm at the age of nine how do I talk to them the same way as a person who in their early 30s, alcoholism finally took them over and now they got a real drinking problem? It's like the principles that set them free may be the same, but I have to, I have to know the story behind what got the person right. there. I have to, the person has to know I care. It doesn't excuse right. their behavior. It doesn't excuse right. the evil. It doesn't on any yeah. level, but at the same time, I have to meet them at a heart level and let them know I genuinely care. I want to know and understand what got you here so I can genuinely help you out and show you 
how to live this life that, that you're talking about. Right, right. Yeah, everybody, everybody deep down inside recognizes where they probably ought to be uh, right. when it comes to a more morality code. Uh, there's probably a place where they should be. And then they, they have to reconcile that where, with where they currently are right now. And usually if you look at that gap, it's very daunting. It, it, it kind of crushes the soul. It's depressing uh, to the point where some people have thought that maybe what's the point of, of getting up tomorrow if, if nothing's going to change and the yeah. thoughts of suicide start creeping in and it starts destroying the person from the inside out. And again, if you don't have hope, then there's really, you're just wasting your time. There's so many people that they're trying and, and I, God bless them. They're, I understand that they're trying, uh, but it's not, the problem is not in a lack of effort. It's a lack of strategy. If you keep trying the same losing strategy time and time again with the same result, again, it's not because you're not trying, you are trying, but the strategy that you're deploying is not a winning strategy. And what I'm saying is too often when we try to put the reason, the motive for us getting clean, for us getting uh, liberated for, from our captors, if, if we just make that motivation us and no one else, I promise you, things will not change things will because everywhere you go there you are like you're still you're the common denominator in a lot of these areas i'm not saying that you're the the one that's um causing all the evil around you but what i am saying is if you try taking that compassion that you talked about when you start to get free or you start to break free from the hold and you start to taste freedom for the first time if you don't apply that compassion for what you're feeling to then the person next to you, maybe the person that shot up with you last week, if you don't share that with them, if you don't start transitioning the compassion from, from your own liberation to then the needs of the person next to you, I, I promise you when you do that, when you expand your compassion beyond yourself, healing flows from God to you, to the person. Like you are now connecting electrical circuit that now the power of love like you can actually find personal healing when you apply your, your own testimony of the hardships and the things that you face. And again, we can't be scared to open up those doors. Like uh, mm-hmm. when I was a kid, uh, I, I, my mom used to threaten me. Uh, I, I can't go out this weekend if I don't clean my room. And I used to just grab everything, shove it in the closet, you know, <laughs> lean up and, and then shove Genius. it. Genius. Um, yeah. And until my mm-hmm. mom opens that door. And, and, right. and so many of us are, are doing that exact same thing. We're just rearranging the mess into another compartment of our own life. And we're not actually cleaning anything. We're just rearranging it, whether we're jumping from uh, attention from women or fame and fortune or money, like our addictions can actually change from one thing to the next. I think Absolutely. in the US, in the US, we are the most technologically, like everybody's got air conditioning, Wi-Fi, smartphones, you know, like most of us have access to vehicle transportation, if not owning our own. But in, in a country, that is the richest, most wealthy country in the world, we are probably the most morally bankrupt in the world. We're, we're, wow. we're, we're basically feeding our addictions with, with drugs. Uh, why, is it, why is it that the US is only 4% of the world population, yet we consume over 80% of the world's mm-hmm. opioids? Why is it that we need drugs just to exist? What pain? Like if you go to the dentist and, and they start drilling and you go, oh, and they give you that face. They're like, oh, okay. And they'll bring the needle in and they'll inject. Like obviously you make that face because there's a pain. And obviously they bring that needle to inject to numb that pain. And what I'm saying is we're going to all these different things to numb a pain that only God and his words over his creation have the power to heal. And, and I tell people, like, I, I preach from time to time, but I'm not going to shove a Bible down your throat. You can go anywhere in the world. You're free to do whatever you want. But I promise you, if you go to anything other than the word of God for the spirit healing on your own soul, if you go to anything else, it's, it's just a Band-Aid over a gunshot wound. Like, yeah. you got to dig that bullet out. It's, it's um, what they call uh, moral trauma. 
it's it's on your soul like the scars you, you might not see the scars visible on the outside but they exist on the inside and many of us are not healing we're actually bleeding through the bandages and we go from one thing to the next to the next to the next trying to find the next fix just to get us uh to that next day or that next week or that next year but again what kind of an existence is that mm -hmm. you gotta expand that compassion and it, it it's to your point, you know, I, I, I can speak from personal experience that I sought out everything pretty much on the planet to try and heal that pain inside of me. I was addicted to pornography, cigarettes, every drug, alcohol, every, everything pretty much, you know, I was addicted to it at one point or another. And, and deep down, I just wanted the pain to go away. Like I just right. wanted the inner storm to stop. It doesn't excuse actions, but it is right. the fact. I just was like, man, this insanity going on inside of me. I know, you know, I can throw down a few shots. I can, you know, go find another girlfriend, another girl. I can look at porn. I can, and it, and it will numb it for a moment, but it just gets worse right. and worse and worse. And it doesn't need to be drugs and alcohol. It can be so many different things. And without the, and I've experienced all of that, but I've also experienced the reality of the kingdom of God living inside of me. And there's nothing that could bring the healing like that has and does. It brings peace right. to the storm. It brings, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't have those thoughts. I don't have those desires. I don't have those addictions anymore. They're gone. They're gone. Praise God. You know Amen. what I mean? Awesome. And, yeah. and it's, you know, to your point of like people coming out of this, this horrendous mess, you know what I mean? Coming out of this, these, these addictions, sex trafficking, these just stuff where it's like people would rather pretend it doesn't exist when it's probably the biggest problem on the planet right now. People would just rather right. pretend it doesn't exist because they don't want to, they don't want to be held responsible that there's that much evil. Like if I hear something, I might have to do something about it. So I'd rather just right. not hear it. Let's just not talk about right. that, you know? Right. And the truth is, is that the answer to that, so yeah, there's force needed, you know? There's military action. There's, there's force needed. There's law enforcement. I'm with it. I have plenty of friends who do a lot of that. I'm with it. And it's much needed in a lot of situations. But the answer is that there needs to be a transformation of the heart. The issue right. is an internal one. The heart needs to be transformed in order for somebody, like you said, you rescue people, you come back a month later, they went right back to it because they weren't really free. Right. They were right. free physically, but they weren't free spiritually, emotionally, mentally. They weren't free from any of that at all. Right. And it's, right. if anything, what I, what I hope, and please elaborate on more if, if you want to, what I hope is it just like, more people begin to hear that like, hey, you know, so many problems that are going out, going on all around us, they're not magically gonna go away because we sit at home and hope them away. They're right. not. There needs right. to be a very intentional involvement, an intentional prayer, an intentional right. involvement, um, being able to talk about it in wisdom, being able to share relevant stuff, being able to, what's your community doing about it, get involved. And what, what would you say to the average person, okay, um, who heard your, what you're talking about, what I'm talking about, and they're like, man, I do need to do something more. What would you say to encourage them to get started with where they're at and what they have to get started with? All right. Um, you have to understand that this side of heaven, you can't separate your body from your soul or your soul from your body that everything you do in the physical realm has a spiritual echo and everything you do spiritually when it comes to faith or exercising your faith also has a physical echo in the natural realm. Um, I have my friends say, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not really religious. Like, here, here's an idea. Um, Me either. <laughs> yeah, amen, amen, amen. The idea is it's not what you do every now and then that shapes your destiny but what you do consistently, right? Right. Mm -hmm. It's not what you do like for a short moment or you know, you put on a tie once and yeah, look, I, I look professional. 
but really you don't act professionally. You don't conduct yourself. You don't think uh, in that manner. You just, you know, you just put on a face and anybody can do that. But again, it's what you do consistently. Another word for consistently is religiously. That maybe you don't practice these Christian rituals, but you have a, a daily routine, right? And another word for routine is a, a daily ritual. Um, and not every ritual honors the God that brings life into your life. And, and that's, that's the key is that your, your choices become behavior. What you think actually becomes your behavior. Your choices, what you do yesterday becomes your tomorrow. And so what I'm talking about is your moral character, that as you are doing these choices, what are you doing with your opportunities? Everyone gets opportunities, but not everybody acts on those opportunities. Not everybody steps into those opportunities. And it is in stepping into those opportunities that God gives you that you start to see the value of those choices. And the dividends on that kind of investment will pay off for all of eternity, yeah. not just in your daily life. But like, again, sometimes I feel like God puts me, puts compassion on the heart to do something for somebody that I feel like they don't even deserve it. Like, wh why should I waste my time, my money, my effort for such a person like that? But then God re reminds me of where I came from and the great mercy and love that he showed on me. So I'm like, all right, well, yeah, I want that person to share, the, to, to see that too. And as I step out into that, it starts to create, again, behavior and then behavior into habit, habit into moral character. And that moral character then sets a precedence for your eternal destiny, if that makes sense. So every person has opportunities presented in, in, in front of them. Now, are they going to be brave enough to act on those opportunities? Are they brave enough to step out on that leap of faith to actually get in the fight? And of course, I'm not telling them to fly to South Africa tomorrow. And if you are, let me know. I'll join you. But <laughs> where you're at with what you've been given, like take a, a, a real inventory on, on, yeah, on what you've been given, what you have. You got two working legs. You got two hands. You know, like you can offer to help someone. And as you, the Bible tells us, he who is faithful with little will be faithful with much. He who is unfaithful with little, even what he does have will be taken from him. As you practice being faithful with people's trust, with, with people's, when they share their hopes and dreams with you, what are you going to say? Are you going to discourage them or are you going to edify them, lift them up, actually encourage them to get back in the fight, to keep doing what is good for goodness sake? Um, so that you actually create a reproduction, you, you don't reproduce what you preach, you actually reproduce who you are. So you first recognize where you're at, the things that you need to move around and fix on your, like if, if my tie's crooked, let me fix my own tie first. That's why the Bible says, you know, the guy with the plank in his eye and the, you know, don't, don't get in the guy's face for having a speck in his eye if you have a plank in your eye. The, the point of that is not to ignore people's eye problems. The point is so that you can actually have clear vision to then help the other person's eye problem. And so that they yeah. can see the truth and the truth that you know shall set you free. That's what we're talking about. I like that too. And I'm just reminded right now, you know, that just uh, from the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talking about, you know, the speck of dust in my eye and the plank in theirs. It's like, he's honing in on your vision. Right. He's honing in on how you see it. How, how we see things is going to dictate on what we do on a daily basis. You know, that's right. how it is we view ourselves, as you have talked about, as we've talked about how it is we see the world, how it is we see, you know, well, what can I do? What's little old me going to do about it? Our perspective towards so much of this is driving what it is, the action that we're going to take in the midst of it all. And, you know, I am, I'm personally extremely encouraged that there's more and more people waking up to the reality of, because, you know, the truth is, if, especially in, in America, you know, even with everything that has gone on in recent months, we still live, it's, it's still beautiful. You drive down the street, look, I interact with people every single day. Most people, doesn't matter their gender, race, age, it doesn't, most people are good people. They really yeah. are. Yeah. And we still live, in, in, and it's easy to, to see that if you're looking for it. On the flip side, there's another truth that is very, very real, and that there's a very real evil, and it is active in every single one of our communities. And it has, it has an agenda and an end game. 
It is out to kill, steal, and destroy. And pretending it's not there does not make it go away. Right. You know, pretending that that evil is not after children, pretending that evil is not after the vulnerable, you know, the people who grow up in addicted homes, people who don't have money, who do, whatever the situation or scenario, pretending that that evil is not real and it's not genuinely after people with an end game of very serious death loss and destruction in their life gives it space to get worse. Right. It really does. And so I love hearing people like yourself who, look, man, no one's going to blame you if you didn't get in the fight. You haven't been through it. It wasn't like you're, you know, someone really close to you or you personally experienced, like, no one's going to like, be like, how dare you, Ryan? You're not out in South Africa rescuing people from sex trafficking. (laughs) Right. You know, right. But that people who don't, you're not forced to get in it are being vocal who are right in the middle of it. And I know more and more people like them, like yourself, who are choosing to say, I'm, I'm going into the darkness. I'm doing it. Right. I'm going right into the middle of it. And I'm going to bring the message and I'm going to be the light. And uh, I love that we get to link arms and encourage, rally, say, look, guys, life is good. Okay. I think you and I could right. sit here and do a whole podcast saying how, like, we are blessed, my friend. <laughs> right. Yeah. We are blessed. Amen. At the Amen. same I'm not going to sit and do nothing. I'm going to get in the right. fight every single day that I'm called to. And knowing people like right. you is very encouraging for me. And I hope it encourages a lot of other people to say, look, um, I got, I got to do something. Right. I got to right. do something to combat this active evil that is going yeah. on in the world right now. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. full confession, I'm not perfect. <laughs> believe, believe it or not. <laughs> what? I have really? my issues. Yeah. Yeah. I have my issues, but again, I'm real about my issues and I'm real in my endeavor to hunt out the evil that kind of grows in me, the temptations that grow in me. And again, that might be an evil that I have to fight until the day I die, but it will not stand in the way of me helping other people with the opportunities that I've been given. And and too often I find a lot of people that again, they'll put on the suit and tie and they're like, oh yeah, blessed and highly favored brother, I'm I'm tired. But really back in their home, they're really struggling. They're, the depression, the thoughts of suicide, the addiction. And, and like you said, if, if you, you let it go unchecked, it doesn't stay the same size. Like as you grow stronger, like older and stronger, um, it, it grows with you. And again, if, if it goes unchecked, it will get to the point where you cannot stop it and it will consume you. And that's what I'm saying is I'm not saying pretend that you have it all together and then get into the fight right. and pretend. What I'm saying is like when, when I started getting into physical fitness, um, there was a personal trainer that kind of helped me and like, I wanted to get big arms, you know, I wanted to get, you know, like I wanted to look you know, with broad shoulders, like let's do that. But they kept hope they kept asking me to do these core exercises, these core exercises. I was like, these are dumb. Like how are these going to make my arms bigger? But what I realized is the core is what makes you functional. And if Mm. you don't focus on your core, if you try to do the other things first, whatever you build will actually collapse on itself. And when real weight gets put on your shoulders, you will not be able to function under it and it will crush you. So what I'm saying is when people try to be like, oh yeah, I'm great, I'm fine. They're actually practicing hypocrisy and they're getting better at hypocrisy and nobody likes a hypocrite. And no. people could smell it when you're fake. And like when you're just pretending that everything's roses and rainbows, everything's great, but, but your house is burning back home, your, your situation's you know, out of control, they're gonna smell it on you. And, and when you get close to people, they're gonna find out. They're gonna find out your life is a mess. Like, if you're not going to get serious about your own life, then there's really no hope for you to help anyone else because you're drowning. Imagine trying to save a drowning person. And as soon as you jump in the deep end, you realize you can't swim too. Like right. learn to swim. That word Before hypocrite, that, that word hypocrite uh, is actually a secular Greek word that Jesus used. It's the, it was literally the word that was used for actors. And in that day, what they would do is they would hold those little sticks with the mask on them. And they would do the yeah. plays. A hypocrite was the actor who was hiding behind the mask. Mm. It's literally the definition mm. of it. And it's true, man, when we, we get real about what's going on in us and, and, and getting real about what's going on in our own life, it's, 
and, and getting on page with God and being real about what I'm growing through is what frees me up to, to not be held back by it anyways. You know, then his, his strength yeah. shines through my weakness and I'm able to do things I can't do. Right. I'm able to do right. things that it's like, wow, how's, how's one person doing that? How's that person getting all that done? It's like, I'll tell you exactly how, man, I should be dead. But I gave right. my life to God and I, I do my best on a daily basis to let him live his life through me. And then right. you're able to see things like captives get set free from the darkness, man. There we go. That's what we're talking about. That's what, exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> People always see me and they're like, how do you, you know, like what, what magic pill can I swallow to make me a superhero? That's not how this works. And, right. and the hard part is I have to tell people the truth is your life is not going to get any easier. The truth oh, of it dude, is, the truth is probably the world, gonna get harder. <laughs> right. But the, the truth is if you focus on God and God in you and you grow your faith, the world doesn't get easier. You get stronger. Right. And, the, and that the things that like, I'm not saying that you're not going to have any battles. You're going to have some battles, some serious mm -hmm. battles. But what I'm saying is you will actually get better at fighting. You're going to become resilient. You're going to take a punch and be like, oh, is that all you got? Give me another, <laughs> you know, because you know what to do with that pain. And you actually use that pain to strengthen your resolve to get stronger. So that mm -hmm. time and time again, like whatever evil comes against you, you can't get hurt. I mean, you're going to feel every single blow. But again, it's not going to steal your joy because all of a sudden your root, um, what is it? A tree with deep roots does not fear the wind. Yeah. A tree with mm -hmm. deep roots does not fear the wind. And sometimes in a drought, if you know anything about uh, farming, a drought can actually cause the crops to, to grow really deep roots. And then the fruits that grow on those trees, uh, when it comes to vineyards and, and making wine, uh, the sweetest wines can come out of some of these, these, um, these vineyards that have gone through a really bad winter where they really had to, you know, pull in all their nutrients wow. during the cold season. And then that following season when they actually harvest, man, the, the final product on the other side is just amazing. And that's what I'm saying is for those that are in the middle of the siege of life and they're, you know, pressed on every side, just get excited because the victory is always on the other side of that battle. As long as you don't drop your sword and you just, you know, stand on that word of truth, you'll see the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. I love it. I feel like we're just getting started. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I really do, man. Um, let me say this. Maybe, uh, we'll probably have to have you back on here in the future and, and talk about some, some similar things, maybe share some, some different stories. But, um, let me let me segue into this, okay? There's somebody out there right now, and they're compelled. They don't have time, all right? They're like, I they this message has convicted them. They're like, but I don't. I gen they genuinely don't have time to go get involved in any of that because the kids work, life, whatever, okay? But maybe they have resources, okay? Yeah. Um, or there's somebody who doesn't have resources, but they have time. Practically speaking, like what would be um, What's a, a good organization that you would recommend, say someone wanted to donate to? What's a way somebody, practically speaking, can begin, things they can begin to do to get involved immediately in their community, whether it's just praying, donating their time, serving a little bit, beginning to like give some money on a monthly basis? What, what would be some of the things you would say to that? Um, well, I got, I got a friend of mine that was in our Bible study, uh, Michael Pendleton. I don't know if you know the guy. I do. Um, I support that young man. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he just got done working for the U.S. government in Afghanistan. And then he, he went to volunteer with an organization in California called CERT Ministries. And it's the one that I used to volunteer with when I was stateside. Um, currently deployed overseas right now, uh, so I can't join him. But they are active in the mix uh, of actually rescuing. CERT stands for Search, Evangelize, Rescue, and Train. CERT Ministries. And uh, they're, they're, current, they're currently involved in some real heavy operations. And Mike Pendleton is, is in the mix learning the tricks of the trade on getting these kids out of sex slavery. Um, so if, if you don't have the time, but you have the resources, um, it's certministries.com is their website. Uh, and you can become a monthly supporter, their armor bearer, as they call it. 
Um, it's, it's an organization that doesn't just do training classes. It actually deploys into these areas to pull these children out and return them safely to their families. Um, I've heard so some of your stories. I remember some of your stories in the past. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely, uh, man, if I could, if I could be there now with them, uh, on their current operation, I would love to, to be there in person. But again, uh, I got some work over here. <laughs> I don't know if you yeah. heard, but uh, the middle the Middle East needs some help and some prayers for sure. <laughs> it does. It does. And there, God has some people there doing some fighting the fight. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, man, I really appreciate you coming on, taking the time, sharing this uh, story, sharing your heart about this. And uh, I thank you for what it is you are doing in the midst of all this, man. Amen. Yeah, no worries. Uh, anytime you want me on, I'll, I'll make time. I'll make the time. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Recovering Reality Podcast. If you're interested in recovery coaching, please reach out to us. Get plugged into a free 20-minute session so we can get you on the road to transformation. If nothing changes, then nothing changes. You can start a brand new life starting today. Look forward to hearing from you guys. Thanks for joining us.